You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Kan Bayazit. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 53 of the Black Eagles podcast. I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City, as always. And today, we have something special. We've been talking about it for some time, and of course, we finally have this episode ready for you all. Today is the extra special financial breakdown with John Okar, our usual co-host, Khan Bayazit from Belgium, spoke with him over Skype. I apologize, of course, for some of the issues on that end. There's not much I could do it in post-production, but it sounds like they had some connectivity issues. But nonetheless, not enough that I think, you know, the conversation is very clear, and I think the information to be transmitted is also very clear. Uh, of course, it's an honor to have John Okar on a second time uh, and he is absolutely our resident financial expert, if he'll accept the role. Um, but yeah, also a great, a great job by Khan, asking all the right questions. Uh, really groundbreaking stuff, earth-shattering uh, for any fan of Besiktas and even any team in Turkish football or Turkish football at large. Uh, it sounds like we're you know, coming on an interesting. Uh, changing of the guard, uh, shifting of eras, but I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, I will, in fact, hand it over to them without further ado. And so here you have Khan Bayazit interviewing John O'Carr for the Black Eagles podcast. I hope you all enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Black Eagles podcast. Today I have got a very special treat for you, a recurring guest on our podcast, John O'Carr, everybody. John, thank you so much for joining us once again. I can't, yeah, thanks for inviting me. Um, it's always good to have a chat. Definitely, and uh, especially when it's about one of the things that we both love and have in common, which is Besiktas. But today we're going to take a look at uh, um, the more um, business side of things of course um there's a lot of this being in the news lately with the whole bank deal the turkish football federation is going to restructure all of the turkish clubs as uh, debt and yeah that's something that i think it's going to be of interest to not just besiktas fans but of course uh, fenerbahce fans galtari fans Trabzonspor fans i mean pretty much every team in the league is in a deep financial cesspool except for I believe Basakshi here and Sivaspor are the only ones who don't have debt I believe um, but the big clubs the ones that most people care about they're all in a bad way John and uh, unfortunately Besiktas is one of those uh, we might not be in the worst way of all of them but we're still in a bad way and I think you're going to unfortunately uh, 
make that clear in the, the next hour or so. Yeah, in case you have any Gustepe or Kasimpasha fans, uh, they also are not in dire straits. So it's those four clubs are okay, but yeah, everyone else, Besiktas included, Gustepe really uh, is in trouble. I'm surprised yes. because they went bankrupt uh, back in 2004, I want to say or something. And I, you know, I imagine it's difficult to to get rid of that debt, but maybe they completely went bankrupt and. Reformed, yeah, sure. my understanding is that they are not in the same situation as the other clubs, at least from, from recent reports, but not really our topic, just in case we get an yeah. angry ghost at the hand. They are apparently a little bit better off. But everyone else, yeah, it's actually more than just uh, troubling. It's uh, pretty cataclysmic, I would say. And before we get into the details, I want to ask you one thing, because this is going to be... I think something that a lot of people are thinking right now. How much does the current Lira crisis factor into the overall situation? And but in particular with Besiktas, I mean, it would still be bad, but would it be significantly less bad, or is it just like a, a drop of water on a, on a on a hot plate if 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 it wasn't the case, or how should I put it? <laughs> so wh- when you look at the financials, the Obviously, the Lira crisis has had an impact, but actually the problem which all of the clubs are facing is not a Lira crisis, it's an interest rate crisis. So the what we'll be discussing actually quite a lot today is how the increase in interest rates has dramatically impacted the rollover of debt to the extent that... Uh, some clubs uh, are actually paying more in interest repayments than they might make in an entire year in income. Okay, and that's interesting and, and, and maybe something to put in layman's terms for people listening. I mean, if you go and get a, a loan for a house, you have adjustable rent, uh, interest rates and you have non-adjustable interest rates. So I'm, I'm assuming then that the clubs have adjustable interest rates which fluctuate. Is that right? Uh, some do, for example, Galatasaray has a LIBOR rate. This is going to get fairly complex, but has some debt which is uh, basically indexed to interbank lending rates, and they add um, certain basis points above that. Others, it might be a fixed rate, but then when you refinance, and the situation that Besiktas finds itself in is that its short-term debt payments are so high that Pishikash has to refinance those. When it refinances them, it has to do it at the interest rate of that day. So as we go through the numbers, you will see a progression of the interest that we're paying. Um, last year would have been, um, and we have all of the details actually from, from the financial reports, but has gone up from 16% to 27%, uh, and that's on Turkish lira. But we actually also have even higher interest because we also have factoring debt as opposed to banking debt. So I'm just, we will discuss all of this in more detail, but you can take notes and we can return to any of this. But as that interest rate increases, because uh, since last year there have been two major interest rate hikes um, in Turkey, the repayments become almost untenable. And so our financing costs are now almost as great as the, the cost of actually running the team. Okay, so that, that of course, um, clarifies maybe why the club has been in such 
of a predicament for the last six or so months. You know, of course, sportively, the performances haven't been good. And that can be accredited to a lot of different factors like, you know, tactics, player quality, uh, all that kind of stuff. But a big factor probably is also going to be, are the players getting paid on time? Because players that aren't getting paid on time, it's very difficult to keep them motivated for because it might be difficult to, for a fan to understand, but these guys don't play for the love of the club. They play for money. That's their jobs. So if they're not getting paid, they're not happy, they're not going to be performing optimally. And I think that's been a very big factor in in the in, in our poor performances this season. Um, we've heard it throughout the last six months or so, so often that players aren't getting paid. This player isn't hadn't hasn't been got, getting his wages for x amount of months and this player hasn't been getting his wages for x amount of months so that could explain part of the reason um but then a lot of people are pointing their fingers to the board they are saying hey look you sold Cenk Tolson last season for 23 million now i said it earlier before the the, the whole uh drop of water on a on a glowing hot plate of but you know the analogy there um i'm kind of stumbling over my words here but that 23 million for jenk how significant was that for our debt because i told people at the time from my limited knowledge of the financial world uh compared to you i i did say look most of that money probably went to paying off our debt and now people are blaming fikad oman and, and the board and they've made plenty of mistakes no doubt but there's people going as far as to say, um, well, you know, first it was Demirren's uh, fault and that we had this amount of debt, but he's had plenty of time now and all this and that, and, and now it's his fault. Now it's his responsibility. And how big of a hand do you believe that, that Fikret Oman and his board really have in this? Is, could they have... Obviously, they could have done things better, but could they have done things significantly better that this situation wouldn't be occurring here or would we have been in this situation regardless of who is president of the club right now so i'll start with jane tosson first uh honestly that uh would have made very little impact on the debt to be honest so uh, any player that we sell uh is, is is essentially going to go towards just trying to clear up debt at this point it's it obviously for financial fair play and so it's good that you have a uh, a good transfer balance but in terms of the mountain of debt that's sitting there and this is true of all of the big clubs none of these transfer sales have any meaningful impact on, on the pile of debt but when we turn to the, the sort of the broader issue of who's responsible when you look at all of the Turkish clubs and you see that they're all in similar dire straits, you have to accept that this is a systemic structural problem. And that's really twofold. On the one hand, clubs have not been run well, neither is Besiktas. And I think every board um, member would accept that. Even Demidonan, by the way, just last week was saying, oh, I made my mistakes. It's like, yeah, right. Yeah, of course you did. But clearly there have been mistakes made by the current board particularly in terms of perhaps some of the ways in which they've tried to refinance. But there is a second issue, which is that football is just a microcosm of broader Turkish society and its economy. What's happening in Turkish football is playing out in boardrooms, in multiple sectors. It's playing out 
in terms of how you roll over debt in whichever part of the Turkish economy you are. And whoever was in charge would be struggling um, because the conditions uh, of the Turkish economy uh, have just changed so rapidly. And, you know, when we're talking about restructurizing debt, and I don't I don't want to be a Fikret Oman apologist here today by any means, because that's probably what people are going to be thinking. But when we're talking about restructuring debt, um, they've done a poor, well, possibly a poor job at, at restructuring the debt, but that debt was already there before they ever came into place in 2012. We had already a massive mountain of debt back then. So really what they've been doing is just not being capable enough to solve that pile of debt we already had by restructuring it with forcibly so probably because otherwise the day-to-day would collapse and we wouldn't have enough money to pay staff and this and that um but it's very important i think to to know for people that that you can't just clean up such a big amount of debt in five years or in 10 years even. I mean, look at Borussia Dortmund. They went, I think, bankrupt in 2003 or so. And it took them almost a decade just to come back. And then it took them a lot of sporting success and a lot of selling players for very high fees to get back in a financially healthy situation. Um, but back on topic, uh, <laughs> because I'm going a little bit off, off, off topic here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the plan that, that Yildirim Demeron proposed or basically put on the table, I believe, two weeks ago, which you were speaking about, was a collaboration with the Turkish banking sector. And I believe it was the Zerat Bank in particular, but it might be other banks too. I'm not sure what... Uh... So at the moment, there isn't absolute clarity. But what we know from the announcements is that it, it isn't going to be just Zerat Bank. So that, okay. I think it, it was conflated with another announcement at, at the same time, which was about restructuring of credit card debt which would have been done under the aegis of one bank. Mm-hmm. What Demiroran and also what the Turkish uh, Banks Association has said is that whichever bank holds that debt, that you would restructure with that bank. And so all of the members of the association would be responsible for restructuring, but that there would be certain, if you like, rules or guidance as to how that would happen. There hasn't been much more detail about that, but we can still obviously discuss what that might mean. But essentially, what the Banks Association and TFF are saying is if we don't step in and essentially help the clubs get through the next few years, there might not be clubs to save. And actually, if if you go to the last report that, that came out uh, from Besiktas, and, and actually a new one comes out on the, the 20, 21st. But this is looking back at the period up to August 31st, 2018. For anybody who's looking, by the way, just go to page 12 and you can see this. It says, as of 31st of August, the club has made 177 million lira uh, loss. We currently have short-term debts to the amount of 532 million, and that's our essentially the, the, the club's value, if you like, as kind of letter, on negative six eight six million. 
And so according to the Turkish trade law, we have entered into a period of essentially just a debt spiral. And it goes on to say that uh, this situation uh, actually gives us serious grave doubt as to the sustainability of the Besiktas business. So that is also racing with other clubs. That is what actually the TFF is responding to. The first thing that they say that they will have to do is we will have to go to multiple banks and other organizations with whom we have credit and we will have to spread over a number of years our repayments and we will have to restructure uh, in order to try to get out of this. So we had already said as a business, as a company, that the Besiktas share, that we would have to do this. What the have come and said is, here is potentially a way in which you might do that. Okay, so this is Besiktas' situation. Um, and I'm going to go per- completely off of last year's annual report right now. Um, but when we compared, because... I'm going to do this for the sake of the fact that uh, there's obviously going to be Fenerbahce Galatasaray fans listening to this episode as well. Um, right now, if you look at the current debt mountain, we see, I believe, Ali Koch announced Fenerbahce's overall debt was 661 million euros. Um, I think Bestes are roughly on 400. And then Galatasaray were four, on 450 or something. And... and Trabzon at mm-hmm. 185 or something like that. So Bistas are in a deep pile of. Hmm. But mm-hmm. the similar, the, the other two clubs and uh, the other three clubs are in the sa- basically the same situation. I mean, maybe even Fenerbahce, they might have a higher income. So their debt might be a little, I don't know if it's maybe more sustainable, but clearly they are in a very bad way. We see, we can see it in it just, you know, for people who have no clue about financials, just look at the last couple of years, the transfer windows. You know, Fenerbahce used to be the club that splashed big and got these big star signings all the time. But the last couple of windows, they've been very reluctant to do that. And I don't just think that is because of them being prudent for financial fair play. It's just because the sustainability of the club is just in jeopardy. As you just said, the Bistesh have basically the debt has spiraled out of control, so to speak. But it's is it is it just coincidental though that this happens now that the TFF is stepping in, only what is it six or so months after this this huge lira crisis, that must have been like the drop that, you know made the, made the bucket overflow or, or is it just coincidence? I mean, we actually spoke last time about how uh, the lira crisis would impact on essentially our profit loss. Um, but when you look at the annual report, you can see that a 20% move either way in the lira has an impact on Bishiktash of about 50 million lira because we've actually hedged for the majority of, 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 those, uh, of those moves. So 50 million lira sounds like a lot, but in this world of pain, that isn't what's driving this. What is driving it is all of a sudden, instead of having to pay finance so essentially your finance costs instead of them being 50 million lira per quarter it's now 125 million a quarter or in the case of Fenerbahce up to 400 million 
I mean, it's just absolutely crazy numbers. Um, and and this is because, and also remember that a lot of the debts that needs to be restructured because you can't pay the principal because you just don't have the cash flow, well, then you have to essentially refinance it. The moment you finance it, the moment you just whack on potentially 10, 12% extra yeah. in terms of interest. <clears throat> and and if any listeners are aware of, of compound interest, I mean, when those numbers start inching up, and if you're not talking about, say, 10% anymore, but instead 20% or 30%, then the the repayments, if, for example, you own, owe, as Bishop Ash does, over 1 billion lira, right, in terms of both factoring and bank debt. It's actually, that's the, the debt that we have. We, we owe, strictly speaking, 1.8. If you look at the money that's owed to banks and to, to factoring companies, it's over 1 billion lira. The difference if you are paying 15% interest and 30% interest is 150 million lira a year. That's what's happened. Because if you look at the interest rate in Turkey, it's gone from yeah, 1st of June 2018, it would have been 8%. On that day, it goes up to 16.5%, then 17.75% uh, a week later. And then as of September, um, it's 24%. So interest rates have tripled in two and a half years. So then also remember that football clubs pay significantly more interest than that because they are not particularly credible and creditable organizations. So, and we can go through all of this detail if you want, but at the moment up to August, so this is before the interest rates actually went up to 24% from 17.75. But if you look at the, the debt that we have, I'm just pulling up the the right thing here. We were paying at that point on lira an average of 27%. And remember, this is when interest rates were actually at 17.75. On the dollar, we're paying between 8 and 10%, and on euro, between 5 and 10%. One can only assume that if we were to try to refinance the lira debt, as we said we would have to, that could now find itself, if you go on the rule of the we're paying 9% more than actual the actual rate, that it could actually be at 33%. Just to compare the previous year, so the previous in May, and this is not even the previous year, in May the average was 17% for lira. So it's gone up by 10%, just in that three-month period. If you go back a full year, you go down to around 14%. So it's, it's nuts how quickly this just took over the club. But why has the, the interest rate gone up so dramatically? It's, it's insane. So, so international investors had been saying for a very long time that, first of all, if you have rampant inflation then you have to increase interest rates to, to, to pull any money into the country. Otherwise, why would you invest in the Turkish lira if 
your, if inflation is going to eat away at it and you make no returns off interest. Now, of course, the president has a different view of this, but ultimately the central bank had to um, put up interest rates because if you remember in August when Lira was hitting seven and people were worried it would hit eight, nine, the interest rate increased uh, in response to markets essentially saying, if you don't take control of this, the Lira is going to just truly plummet. We might see in the next couple of uh, meetings of the central bank, uh, the policy committee, we might see some reduction by 50 basis points, 100 basis points. But there's going to be a period now in which interest rates do remain high. So the question is, how can you somehow reduce that load on the clubs? Because at the moment, Bishikfash, and incidentally, by the way, Bishikfash pays 27% or was in August. God knows what it's being asked uh, for now from the banks. But uh, over 500 million lira of, of Bishikfash's debt, and this is by far and away the, we are the biggest in terms of this, is from factoring. Um, and so that's not a bank. You, you get an even higher interest rates. And in the, the last, in the August um, results, it doesn't actually say what the interest rate was specifically for factoring. But we do know that from the previous report in May, that whereas the interest rate for bank debt was 19%, the factoring was 23%. So that's another 400 basis points. So you add that as well, and all of a sudden your debt just looks, I mean, utterly unsustainable. It just grows and grows and grows to the extent that when, and this is actually, come back to transfers. At the start of this year, Bishiktash predicted for this year that it would make essentially, <laughs> this is madness, but that, that it would make a, a profit of 195 million lira. But because we had short-term debts of 500 million lira, we were going to, we were planning to either, no, to both restructure 200 million of debt or add new credits lines. And then we were going to essentially try to just get through this year. But the basis on which that was done was planning to get 130 million lira from UEFA. We got knocked out in the group stages, so that isn't going to happen. We were planning, and this is where we can talk about player sales. We were planning on 295 million lira in, in sales of and other income. So that is around on today's spot rate. Uh, it's, it's well over 50 million euros. No, sorry, dollars. In euros, it would be about 40, just more than that. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that's is, a, um, we're not going to make that. No, of course not. We're no. not going to make that. We'll be happy. But then we mean... also planned to, we also planned that we would only have 200 million in financing costs. It looks as though we'll be maybe two and a half times that. So all of the plans that we had made at the start of the year which were already going to increase our debt load, have exploded. But is this 2018? And are based on us basically selling our team. This was the plan for the 18-19 season. 
Okay, so you, for anyone who's uh, following along with their with their accounts, that's page twenty seven of the annual report. Okay, that's insane. I mean, uh, just from the top of my head, I mean, if we're to look at what we sold this this season, who did, who did we sell? Uh, yeah, Babel, of course. Uh, but I don't. I mean, I think we're we're lucky if we get ten million. Um, just In total. Sales. Yeah, yeah. And, and and they are accounting for about 40 million in the books, which they are predicting. So I'm very curious where they... Uh, of course, no, of course, we sold Fabri and we sold... Uh, who else did we sell? Um, oh, we did, we did uh, uh, Tosic, no, does that count in this financial year? I don't think it would have done. Um, yes, it would, because the books on the financial year... If it was after 31st of May, yeah, yeah. then it would. Yeah. Um, so, but I think that was potentially planning if if we'd sold Vida at fifteen million, if yeah. we'd been able to get ten million, say for Toll Guy or ten million for Autun, which honestly none of them will make that money anymore. I don't no, think we could no. sell our entire squad for forty million euros right now, honestly, of the players that we own. Well, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, we have some. We you know with Carriers you have value. With with Light you have value, but those are of course not owned by us. And, and we're also you have to keep in mind, uh, Light is is almost certain going to trigger his clause that's another six million we have to pay in the summer just for his transfer fee i mean just those types of commitments are gonna i honestly have no idea how we would even do that we'd presumably just have to do it with more debt but the, Mm. the point is if we do now restructure our debt with the football federation what they've said fairly clearly is that the age of high transfer spending would then be over that the that the sort of oversight of football clubs would be done by them Mm -hmm. in conjunction with the banks association whether there would be and there probably should be an independent auditor um to actually check on on who is spending what who is doing what because honestly there is also a risk what what if a club defaults doesn't pay their debt who then owns that club and that's uh, an interesting thing we can talk about um, because honestly, I don't think that's been adequately answered. But the point is that all of the clubs and every single supporter will try to claim that their club is better off. But you can look in different ways and you can see that different clubs have different massive problems. Mm-hmm. Basic Tush's massive problem is first of all, we have a smaller income than the other two big clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, Second, our debt is made up of a large proportion of factoring debt, which the other clubs don't have that same level. Mm-hmm. And so that's higher interest rates. So, but what is factoring debt? Because it's so basically, if you can't get your debt from a from a bank, a bank. you can go to, fa- to a to factoring a organization. Okay. Yeah, to a third party, a factoring organization. But, but they can also be run, so guarantee factoring, but you have multiple. But most people will know about factoring through for example, if you own a small company and you want to, to borrow cars, factoring and leasing, for example, is a way to help finance that. We first met factoring, uh, I wouldn't say first, but famously we used factoring, for example, when we were signing all of the Portuguese players through Jorge Mendes. Okay. Um, and some of the factoring debt, if you look at the, the footnotes, we're still actually, some of that is the Almeida transfer. It's still actually in there. There's about a million, but it's only a million. Okay. But, Essentially, it's a way of getting uh, that would be, I think it's lira. I'll, I'll, I'll try to quickly pull it up, but um, I mean, it's it's a very minor. Uh, so we're basically still paying for Almeida seven years later. 
yeah, but it's, it's it genuinely is tiny. I, yeah, I don't want to, to get in. Um, so, so um, quick question. So, did our yeah. this is for some of the critics on on, on Orman again? Did the factoring increase the, the factoring debt increase dramatically since 2012, or is most of it still stemming mm. back from pre? 2012 when uh, when they took over or where is it largely stemming from or is it just spread well let me bit? let me put it this way in in just 31st of may 2017 the debt that we had to what are called other financial organizations so basically not banks was 187 million lira on the 31st of may 2018 it was 351 million lira and then if you jump forward yeah. three months and you pull up, it's 502 million lira. Okay. So this isn't a 2012 versus 2019 thing. This yeah. is, it's it's tripled in a year and three months. And this, so, is, this is something they probably have to do because they can't cover the expenses anymore, I assume. And they... Because you constantly have to roll over debt, right? Yeah. If, if you don't pay the principal, if you can't pay the principal, if you can't even afford the interest, you have to take out a new loan. Yeah. Now, a bank Loaning might be reticent. Basically. Yeah, it's, so anybody who's ever had a problem with their personal finances will know that feeling of when you get your credit card debt of trying to open up another credit card to pay off your credit card or trying to get a personal loan to pay off your credit card debt, but then you've got a personal loan. Yeah. And then you sort of get this string of loans. Mm-hmm. The problem circle. is that, and yet yeah, the problem is because interest rates have increased so so rapidly that every time you refinance, you're doing it at a much higher interest rate. So in fact, the debt burden grows. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes this vicious circle where in order to just stay afloat, in order to make the payments to ensure that you don't default, you have to go to perhaps organizations that you wouldn't normally go to to get your new credit lines and you do it at an even higher interest rate than you would. Like when Demiroran first used factoring as a financing, if you if you go and look through the Google archives, you'll see that people were really angry. You know, why are we doing this? It's a much higher interest rate. Um, but there were perhaps arguments for doing that when interest rates were not what they are now. But at this point, it seems to be something that we have to do to keep the, the ball spinning. Uh, but it just gets the situation even more and more untenable. But again, I'm, I'm going to come back to it all. It, it basically all just... St- bas- in 2002, or before Serdar Bilgili became president, so that would be... 2001, I think. Um, before that, I think Bishtesh were debt-free, right? And then it increased a little bit under Bilgili, but it started really exponentially increasing from 2004 to 2012 when Demiran was in charge for eight years. And we built up this huge pile of debt. And now we're basically in a situation where this new board has basically been taking out loans just to cover the loan payments previously made and there have been already restructurizations of the of, of the debt in, in, in the past couple of years as well um which i remember but it's ongoing we, we yeah. constantly renew uh because every time something comes yeah. to maturity and you have to pay it within a year mm-hmm. we try to move it into a more long-term debt 
Um, And that is actually what the TFF... Look, I completely understand you, Khan. Yes, this is... I'm I'm not actually necessarily blaming Fikret or Man. It was an inherited problem. I'm trying Um, to make it clear for people listening because there's so much outlash right now against this board. and And I completely understand that there's stuff that people are angry about because so am I. But I just want to make clear for people listening that he didn't create this. He just didn't... You know, it's like putting a Band-Aid on, on, a, on an open leg break, you know? Yeah, but I think that he could have been more Better. responsible. We had this yeah. conversation um, last year when we were talking. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there was It was always going to be dangerous to take on, oh, for example, a two-year uh, contract with Pepe at, yeah. at that amount of money. Yeah. To go into those kinds of agreements mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it is, you're talking about a couple of hundred million, which... Mm-hmm. Um, in, in terms of in the lira, yeah. just wages in lira, yeah. Where if we hadn't spent that and we just had a team full of Dorukans, right, just young Turkish kids, we would have made a much bigger dent in this debt mm-hmm. before everything happened. And with hindsight, it's very easy to say that. But if we had just every year paid off 150, 200, instead of paying it on wages, when the crisis hit, which was not unpredictable the emerging markets problem was predictable and many people were predicting that this would happen not in this exact shape and form but the fact is we got caught with our pants down that when interest rents went up it dramatically increased the debt load Mm -hmm. Um, we we could have honestly and perhaps we would not have got into the champions league uh, last 16 but honestly if you compare that remember leeds got to the semi-final yeah. of the Champions League um, and they've well, been bouncing around and, and they've only taken 20 years to now potentially get back into the Premier League yeah. because they were also, they bankrupt themselves to do that. The Galtry did that. I mean, back in the early 2000s, they basically, all, you know, when they lost a bunch of their golden generation of players, they started spending mad amount of money on, on the likes of Mario Jardel. And bunch of foreigners, uh, other foreigners, and and they basically dug them into a hole, uh, which we've also been doing, of course. But then when I look, I mean, if we, our, our our situation is but so- actually on that Khan, I was actually just running through. I mean, if Besiktas's problem uh, and is around the factoring debt, is around lower income. Well, the other two clubs have bigger income, but mm-hmm. for example, Fenerbahce's problem is just the size of the debt. It's just mm-hmm. a mountain. It's uh, over two billion. Three, I mean, it's, uh, it's close. It's, well, it's 2.77. Yeah. It is probably now three, honestly. Like, when would they come out with their next uh, consolidated, consolidated accounts? It could well yeah. be more than three billion lira. Um, and Girls that I actually has, they have a little bit, uh, my, my numbers, uh, I'm looking at 1.66, hmm. but, but that is, again, will have increased somewhat um, because we, we do need to see their sort of their newest account, but they, for example, are paying a slightly higher interest rate than, for example, us. Fenerbahce actually pays the lowest, or it was at least when the last accounts were made. That will, of course, increase when they try to refinance. Mm-hmm. But the the size of the problem is all fans will try to claim that they're the better off ones, but none of the three clubs are making a profit at the moment. Deep. If, if you take out finance completely and you just do income versus your costs, 
all of them, maybe a 2 million lira here, 10 million lira here, but tiny numbers, like not even enough to be the wages of, of one player in some circumstances. You add in all of the finance, all of them are making massive losses. So they have slightly different perhaps scales of problem or different nature of problem, whether it's the level of the interest rate or the level of the actual principal but all of them are in the same situation. Clubs on Spore, of course, as well, and, and almost all of the Anatolian clubs. Yeah, um, and I, you you compared the, the the depth of both of all the clubs basically. Um, so it, it's 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 clear that that a new era in Turkish football has to come. The 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 the, the era of bomba transfers. Is, is over i think uh, and and some, yes some cl- clubs we, you said it last time already but some clubs will still try to cling to it um well because but, i think some supporters will cling to it and some yeah. clubs will act irresponsibly so mm-hmm. this is the one possible positive of a nationalized fair play which is what i think one or two people called it so if the tff takes responsibility then all of the clubs will be essentially responsible for showing good accounts to both the TFF and, and the banks with whom they've restructured. The So it will be more difficult to just listen to your fans and buy incredibly expensive players. I'm sure that one or two would try. They'll try to do it with a sponsor or they'll try to do it. You, know, that you can always find ways to try to not your balance sheet. But ultimately, I think we... Uh, in fact, I saw one of the questions that came into you guys through either Reddit or Twitter was about yeah. you know, what about would you Europe, do if you bought? Uh, oh, and, okay. and I thought you meant the European banks. If, if you and I were the board, what, 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 what would we do, right, of Bishiktash? And, and honestly, I think it, we've now reached a point, if you look at the accounts, where I think within a couple of years we'll be an almost entirely Turkish team. I don't think uh, there might be a couple of loan players in there, but we will have significantly lower outlays on wages. We will have to invest heavily in the youth setup because we honestly, we just haven't had, aside from maybe Najib, sort of a long-term, sort of a kid who's come through and stayed with us all the way through their career, sort of as would have happened in the 70s or 80s. Yeah, I think Gerard, all of the clubs Udi. now. Yeah, exactly. Or a, t- a Tony Adams for my English club, Arsenal, right? So, yeah. from 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 kid to to retirement, it's it's going to become. You know, it's a very popular thing with our president, but Yarlivemili, so local and national. Mm-hmm. Um, that may well be what has to happen. If I was asked, what would what would I do? I would try to pay down that debt as, as quickly as possible, but it's not that easy. And, and we can talk about how the TFF deal might help do that, although it's still unclear to the, the exact details. But right now, it has to be about getting as, to as low an interest rate as possible, however that happens, probably with the TFF, to pay down that debt as quickly as you can. And that really does mean uh, trying to maximize income but possibly not getting the level of European income that we would like because we probably won't go that far for a couple of years with a team of kids. But then to try to develop the the next generation of of kids. And the the problem is that because we'll be paying down this debt and because we actually have 
in our accounts that the aim is to make 300 or 295 million lira just this year. I imagine that any time we develop a good kid, just like Ozan Kabak and Gal mm-hmm. Sarai, and all of their fans were so surprised. And I was like, yeah, what do you think they were going to do? Well, yeah. First of all, there was a release clause. But second, right now, Turkish clubs are going to have to sell anything that isn't nailed down. Because, <laughs> honestly... And 11 million is, is a huge, huge amount of money for a player that, I mean, a couple of months ago, nobody factored in that there would be that possibility of selling a kid like that for that type of money. You know what we were talking about is the the, pros, the you know the club um, hoping to earn what was it forty million euros on, on outgoing transfers. I mean, just having let's say we have a kid like Alpay Celebi or something making his debut for the first team and doing really well, and suddenly having that type of a market value and you can sell him. And obviously, you want to keep someone like that with the club, but if you get that type of money offered. Plus, of course, they were they were in a very tight spot. They couldn't say no because otherwise, in the summer, he'd be gone for seven and a half. So, but yeah, that's it's it's a huge amount of money. I mean, the, the criticism on their board has been relentless on social media. But I, I, I you know, I I try to keep tabs on the financials, but. Still, I mean, when you put it black and white the way you're putting it right now, it just makes me shudder and, and realization of how bad everything is. But the worst thing is that I think 95% of the fan base of any club has absolutely no clue, no clue how bad the situation is. Okay, let, let me put it this way. <clears throat> let's try to do this with the ratios and, and let's do it with, with Ben Arbacher, right? Let's not even do it with our club. So for the three-month period from June to August last year. <clears throat> These guys made 328 million lira, but the cost of those sales was 149. So in total, their what we call brut cash, right, is 178 million, so just the gross profit. Then when you strip out all of the organizational costs, that drops to 145. And then you get hit with this number, 567 million lira in finance costs, which then means that in those three months, they made a loss of 340 million. Now, imagine that you earn, right? Let's say you've got a really good job, right? And you are earning 300 and let's just say 300,000 euros a year, let's say. Imagine that you had to pay debt just on the interest of close to 600,000 euros in that year and that the total debt that you had was 2.7 million euros and anybody at home can do this you can do it with a hundred let's say you earn a thousand or let's say you earn 10,000 lira a month right it's like in one month you having to is somehow 30,000 lira, sorry, 20,000 lira debt repayments on a debt pile that is well over, I just need to do the calculation, 100,000 lira. Just in that, it's, it's just utterly unsustainable. And if people start thinking, well, how would I run my, my house like this? How would I, you know, go out and buy groceries, buy food, 
if my situation was 10,000 coming in, but 20,000 going out just to pay the interest on my credit cards, you wouldn't, you'd starve, you'd have to declare bankruptcy. And I don't, I don't use that word lightly. Uh, and I don't think that Turkish clubs will need to, but there is a, a history of clubs who have, who have basically got flown too close to the sun and then sudden financial shock, uh, Spain in 1985. I mean, you mentioned some German clubs in the early 2000s, but in particular Borussia. Leeds is another one. Um, Spanish clubs all through the 90s as well. Clubs have chronically badly run. Um, yeah, Barcelona, Palma, if you remember, yeah. in Italy. Barcelona yeah. at the end of the 90s, Barcelona. they were banked. They were they were basically done, and they got bailed out by the government. So did Real Madrid, I think. Uh, yeah, there, there was a bailout in 1985. Then there was sort of various assistance packages, whether that was from the government or from local municipalities. But because, and, and this is also where there is a slight moral hazard, because in 1985 there was a bailout, in seven years in Spain, the clubs had doubled the debt that they had before the bailout. So th there is an issue that if you're just saved, that you don't change anything, which is why I think that Demi Rodan, Jeff F and the TVB have come out and they, they said, we are not forgiving debt. We are not going to be giving you any money. So you're, you're not going to be able to spend anything. But what we will do is for clubs who are in negative territory, if they're making a loss, maybe we'll give you some kind of one, two years. I mean, we need to look at the exact details but where there won't be repayments on debt. So like an, a, an amnesty on payment, but not on the debt itself. And then that will spread the debt because actually this is another major issue. It's that a lot of, for example, Bishop Tush's debt is, has to be paid soon. And I'll give you, and for anyone following, you can go to page 17 of the August accounts. Of the 537 million lira that we owe the banks, 365 comes to maturity in the coming year. And then it's 57 in the next one to two years, 32 to three years, and then 82, three to four years. But that's 365 million that, that has to somehow be paid this year. And of course, we don't have that money. So TFF is saying, let's spread that out. Let's restructure it so that, of course, the the argument would be that in the end, you actually end up paying significantly more because, of course, you pay for longer. And so even though you're paying less per month or less per year, spread out, of course, because interest over time is going to compound, you'll end up paying more. But it's it's not complete nonsense. The issue is, why wouldn't you do that with one provider? You'll still have four to five banks you have to deal with. And this was actually raised at a meeting of the Bishitash Congress, I think a couple of weeks ago. It, it's going to be messy. Uh, when the details come out, by the way, I'm almost certain our two clubs will say, this is actually disadvantaging us. My guess is that Galatasaray are going to say, we don't need this as much as the other two clubs. That's my bet. Fenerbahce, Trabzon have already said that they love the idea. I'm not sure that Fenerbahce have much of an option because they're in serious trouble. And honestly, 
when I look at these accounts, unless we have some secret way of making several hundred million lira, um, you know, I don't know where that comes from, honestly, then I think we go along with whatever is offered. Uh, the problem, of course, for us is that factoring companies are not part of the Turkish Bankers Association. Now, that might cause a problem because we somehow have to transfer that quite high interest rate debt 502 million lira as of August, God knows what it is now. Um, we need to transfer that bank. And how you would actually go about doing that, I'm unsure. Couldn't Otherwise, you, for, factoring companies are not part of the TBB. Couldn't you, for example, just uh, add that onto existing bank loans uh, and just pay them off in one go? <laughs> I know you'll probably get a penalty. Because that's how it goes when you pay off uh, a loan uh, too early. You have to pay a penalty, I believe. But is, wouldn't that yeah, be a possibility? You, suddenly, suddenly, all of the interest that that, that that company was supposed to get would disappear. There would be a penalty. Yeah. Uh, but it's probably what's going to have to happen. And yeah. honestly, uh, honestly, given that the so so the the TBB actually came out, the Banks Association came out and said we are not going to make a loss from this, but we're also not going to profit. Oh, by the way, can I ask so, a quick question? Did you look at, at Galatasaray's total debt or just their, their football team's debt? Because I'm... Uh, I'm just looking at the football... Uh, okay. That explains because I... No, sportive, sportive Sinai ve Tijari yatırımlar. That would be... Actually, I'm unclear. But I'm just pulling up the debt that they've got here. Because it's also, one, it's also one of those things that, uh, that that Azizildrum used to do all the time, like only publish a certain debt from the club and not, not everything and stuff like that. But how, I mean, for example, that's one of those big things, like Ali Koch came out with the true debt of the club when he took over. But how has Azizildrum been capable of hiding the true debt of the club for as long as he has? Because he, he was literally, you know, nobody knew... The, the amount of debt they had until he was gone. But they're a publicly traded company. How is that even possible that he is capable of basically, yeah, hiding 600-something million euros of debt? Because uh, I don't know what, what he was reporting before, but I think it was like 150 or something. I, I'm uncertain that he was actually hiding it i just think it wasn't talked about i mean ultimately all of the reports that go to cup uh, these are all companies with shares they have to be audited by uh, a third party so you you can't just make debt disappear i think it's more that early coach actually uh, spoke to how that's going to be financed and essentially said that the game ends here we have to completely change what we're doing so he was saying you know i've taken over uh, an cause so uh, a rubble. I think it was more around the language. I don't think that much were actually hiding debt as such. Mm. Anyway, I'm gonna pick in one of these questions here from uh, Spider Boris on, on Reddit because he he had a he had a watch list of questions and you already addressed a lot of the things that he brought up in his Reddit post, which I also forwarded to you before, of course. Um, but one of the questions that he's asking is, can Besiktas find a cheaper financing on their own then, I suppose, without the help of the Turkish Football Federation? And could Besiktas do something in, in the likes of, of selling club bonds like Aziz Yildirim has done uh, with Fenerbahce in, in the past? Do you think that's something that would be 
um, prudent? It's not about prudent. I don't think it would work. Uh, I don't know whether Aziz Yildirim was able to actually sell all of those bonds, but he tried in 13 and 14. Remember that in those days, interest rates were significantly lower. Um, but and, and they would do it with 350 basis points above the, the market rate. So right now, that would mean that we would borrow money from our, presumably our fans, right, or anybody else who wanted to get this bond. But 3.5% above, let's percent, 27.5%. How many people, firstly, in Turkey right now have enough sort of spare cash sitting around to buy a a bond from a company that, for all intents and purposes, is bankrupt? Um, And secondly, I, I, I don't know whether that's... I'm unconvinced that that is the way we actually solve this problem because we were then, I think, talking about maybe 100 million lira or something. I mean, the debt is so big that maybe even if you sold 30 million or 50 million of bonds, that that wouldn't have an impact. I don't think you could. I'm unconvinced that with the current interest rates as they are, that it's a debt we would want to get into because also you can't refinance that. You just have to pay it. And you could probably get a better yield for anybody who's an actual investor as opposed to a fan you could get a much better yield on a far less risky company than Besiktas. Honestly, yeah. like just it, like it would be a junk bond, and three point five percent above, which is what Fenerbahce did. That's not a particularly attractive return. Yeah. The the I'm, can't I don't know how to make this clear for for your listeners or any clearer than I am, but these clubs are functionally not going concerns anymore. They they have no possible way that doesn't involve either being bailed out or crazy restructure and then completely and utterly redesigning the, the club's spending base. These clubs continue. Um, it's, it's over, basically. So we've we've reached a point where I mean, honestly, just, I mean, Fenerbahce, it's just crazy that in a three-month period, they paid nearly 600 million lira just on financing, or that we are paying well over 100, or the gold, sorry, are paying 150 in three-month periods. Mm-hmm. And we were paying 125, I think? Uh, if Yeah, if you look at the last three months that are, that are currently available, I'm just pulling it up now. It was, yeah, 154 for us, but we also get some back. So net, it would have been 92-odd. Okay. The year before, it was 34. So it's tripled. Yeah, that's insane. The financing costs. And it will only get worse because the, the interest rates that I'm seeing here, every time we roll over that debt, it will have gone up by about 6%. And so then that will mean... Uh, on, on approximately 1 billion of debt, um, if, if the blended average goes up by 6%, well, that's just another 60 million that's gone in a year, the 6%. Okay. So let's, let's let's summarize quickly. Uh, this is across the board for basically all big Turkish clubs. Obviously, for the smaller clubs, the, the amounts are smaller, but their income is significantly smaller too, so they're in a different situation except for a handful of clubs. But a quick summary of what this, the current financial state is for the Turkish clubs is right now, especially Bistesh in particular here, but also Fenerbahce Galatasaray. Huge debt, 
being paid off with bank loans, but also having to take out new loans to pay off the original loans, a uh, vicious cycle of financial issues, um, interest rates. And exploding going, interest rates yeah. making it far Ex- more difficult. Yeah, exploding interest rates. You know, the clubs have to take out new loans, but the interest rates are insanely high. And at this point, there's there's come to a point where you're basically, you're, you're paying just the interest rates. You can't even pay the, the loans anymore. Um, and, and, and it's just complete madness. Um, so we've <laughs> talked about all this painful stuff. Now, how could this potentially be fixed by the TFF's uh, proposal? What, what, you know, what kind of, 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 of timeline are we looking at? Are we looking at five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? How long until the clubs could be breathing a little bit easier, you think? I mean, yeah, you did say, you know, tr- for example, getting a three-year suspension of having to pay the, the the loans, but that's only a short-term breeding area, but breeding space thing. So, but um, so let me put it this way: if yeah. if there were, and there might not be, but if there were to be, for example, a period where there were no payments, where the, the, the just the interest kept on stacking up, but you know your but it's a lower interest rate you might be able to that's essentially for us maybe four five hundred no sorry i've miscalculated that um for us maybe three hundred and fifty three fifty million lira it's just on interest that we would anticipate this year if that were to be reduced then that's something that could be you know put put onto the debt pile to try to actually pay off the the, the principal, possibly. Realistically, what would be done is if you spread it out, so instead of having to pay 350 million a year or 400 million a year, you were able to reduce that to say 150. You radically strip your your cost base, which basically means very few wages, and you try to increase your income somehow, um, then you have a chance perhaps in 10 years, 10 years to have limited the, the, this massive problem. But remember interest rates as well will go down at some point. So that will also ease some of the problems. So what, what you need to do is just get through this period where interest rates are manically high and then try to recalibrate when one hopes there's a normalization in interest rates but again this is not a so i'm sorry i sound so depressing can honestly i wish that i could be you know more positive about this but the way it looks this is going to be a medium term issue for all of the clubs and we have to adapt to that reality except for bashakshir kasim pasha maybe gostepe so are looking at the sportively thing, are we looking at an age of potential domination by Bashakshir for the foreseeable future? I mean, let's say they win the league this season, which they have a great chance of doing. And they will, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that would set them up for the next five years or so? Could they win back to back titles for four or five years in a row? I mean, Champions League money not having any real debt and of course you know we're all kind of questioning where their money is coming from and how it's possible that they don't have any debt but whatever that's that's another that's neither here or there but 
it's, it's perfectly possible that Bishiktesh, Galtzrai, Fenerbahce are going to go into some si some sort of um, uh, stagnation phase where they just don't win any prizes. Uh, <laughs> that's possible, right? And that's I, I think Ashak Shehir um, could could yeah have, have a very good period coming up mm -hmm. in in a country where eighty percent, in fact, not close to ninety percent of the population supports one of the big three. It's I think thirty two percent, thirty one percent, twenty percent, something like that, and then Trump's on so rough of, the, of the top four. Yeah, rough estimates, right? And and I think, every I think those survey are I think those numbers are gravely exaggerated, to be honest. But probably, but but let's let's be clear. I mean, it's a lot of people support those big three clubs. Yeah, for sure. If if you've got a good youth setup, I think in three to four years, that the big clubs with the brand with the, the strength of the fan base, regardless of whether they can get in internationally recognised superstars, but with a clever transfer policy of, of bringing in. Uh, potentially loan players, yep, cheap players who are Gurbetje, who live in, grew up in Holland or Germany or Austria or Switzerland or even the UK, mm -hmm. um, and and then adding to your youth, I can I can see that being competitive against Bashakshir. But right now, Bashakshir just they they do appear to have made a step ahead, and this is before God said I had to sell start selling players. Fenerbahce mm -hmm. are at the other end of the table. Yeah. We, we're, we're okay, right? It's, but, but presumably, given that even our accounts say that we have to sell 40 million euros worth of players, that means ultimately selling the entire team, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bashak Shehir could, could dominate for a while. Very depressing. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Turkey we live in these days. Yeah. It is depressing mainly because it's, a t it's, a, it's, an, art well, it's an artificial club. They have no fans. Uh, with almost no fans. Uh, yeah. And and then you kind of... Then then the question is, you know, these Kasim Pasha, but especially Bishakshir, they're, they're a municipality team. Um, they're basically... I, I see them kind of as a club that's just been created by the governing body of Turkey, basically, because their president has strong ties to the AKP. Uh, just to... It's, it kind of feels like they made that club just to show, oh, look what we can do. But it's kind of cannibalizing Turkish football. Let's say that Bashakshir goes on a three, four, five-year title run. That's taking away precious Champions League money from one of the big three or one of the Augustepe or, you know, a, a real club with fans. <laughs> so it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of cannibalizing Turkish football as well because that money is very important for whoever gets it. But, yeah. That's that's kind of a okay. I, unfortunate. I agree with you. We had this discussion before. I've, I'm, I'm quite open about, about my views on this on Twitter, um, but but ultimately it is what it is. And with everything in Turkey these days, at some point you just have to accept that the the power tends to win out in the end. In this case, the football clubs used to be very powerful, but um, if you fall into a lot of debt, even the most powerful person can become a pauper. Uh, and has to listen to to others. Uh, and if if we hadn't got into this much debt over twenty years, mm -hmm. but of course now we're seeing it in, in immediately in front of our faces, then in this period we we would be the ones trying to win four five championships. The fact is that a club yeah. that was 
created only four or five years ago, is able to potentially jump in and, and make hay while the sun is shining. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I think that we need to forget about league championships. We need to forget about Europe. We need to just focus on surviving as a football club. Uh, and that is true major clubs. Long survival, uh, we are well over 100 years old. A club like Besiktas should be celebrating its 200th birthday and its 300th birthday long after you and I are dead and gone. But we saw with Rangers, I plan to you know, a club that has won more league titles. Well, why not, Khan? Perhaps. Maybe you'll be <laughs> one of those people who puts their brain into the cloud. I'm quite happy, Cyborg. hopefully in 60 years, to, 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 to head off. But, I mean, look at Rangers. They, they eventually, the actual club had bankrupt and then Sevco and it's still called Rangers but it's legally a different club and then they had to go back to the division and all the way to the top now in a normal country that's what would happen to any of the big clubs in the next year I don't think it will be allowed to happen that's probably a good thing but then we have to take this opportunity and I can we can only speak for Besiktas and other clubs can think about their own clubs but it will mean as fans completely reorienting our expectations will mean really applauding kids even when they mess up mm-hmm. it will be about not getting angry at the club playing a player for 25 million and then not replacing them and just putting in another kid and we're going to have to be very un-Turkish about this we have to be and, and Ajax, I hate to basically. be the person who's uh, yeah, for, for, for and do you know what? Ajax have won far more than we have, so yeah. maybe that's not even a, a maybe that's not a problem. Honestly, a club that could have eleven players from the youth setup in the is going to be more successful than one that has to replace every two years an aging superstar like Pepe or Quare. Yeah. Okay. Um, one more question that we had on Twitter uh, from Özge uh, Katip, I think. Uh, yeah. My eyesight is poor. Uh, he Got had two it. questions, but you already kind of answered the first one. So the it's second a she, question... I believe. Oh yeah, that's possible. I didn't look at the picture. I'm sorry, Uzge. <laughs> if you if you're if you're a girl, I'm, I I do apologize. If you're a woman, <laughs> sorry. If you're a woman, I do apologize. Uh, I, I'm yeah. I'm just looking at this on my phone, and my my eyes are terrible. So, um, but her second question, he or she, he or her question, um, is there Definitely. a way? <laughs> Is there a way to quantify the consequences of uh, of this deal from the TFF, then basically the proposed deal, supposedly, for the stability of the Turkish banking sector, especially the public branch? Yeah, so obviously the assumption, and I think as you pointed out, it isn't just Zirat. The, the assumption originally was that Zirat is taking on all card debt, all of the full. That would have been a problem across the banking sector. It's not just the Turkish banks, sorry, the Turkish football clubs that would be in trouble if they can't repay their debt. You know, the other side wants to be paid at least some of it, right? So if they're able to restructure it in a way that ensures that they get more money than if these turned into non-performing loans, NPLs, I think that they would benefit. Of course, it depends on the exact level at which they have to, to restructure the loan. If it's at, say, 24% and then dropping to, say, 20% if the interest rates drop, then they're essentially just giving the money back at the level at which they get it in. So there's no profit, there's no loss, 
Um, but at least they are going to get, it's not going to be zero because this football club will not have gone bankrupt. So I actually think from a banker's perspective, it, it could make sense uh, to do this, uh, particularly if it's done sensibly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, so I don't have a fit. I think, yeah, the banking sector will struggle for a lot of other reasons rather than this. And it sounds like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money. Trust me, 11.5 billion Turkish lira for, for all of the clubs in terms yeah. of their banking debt. But in a sea of debt, where we're talking about almost every individual consumer debt and almost every major corporate, whether FX debt or, or otherwise lira debt, uh, it is actually just a drop in the ocean. So the banking sector, I think, will be fine, and it might even benefit them. And and the only other solution, perhaps, is um, selling the clubs, which isn't easy because the clubs are, of course, owned by the members, not by one person in particular. But that's something I've seen uh, in particular from uh, Galtry fans a lot lately, that it's time for the club just to get sold and for a foreign investor to buy the club now whether you're pro or con there's there's this, there's advantages there's disadvantages we've seen plenty of clubs that that lose their identity i'm thinking cardiff for example whose owner just went in changed the club crest changed the club colors all kinds of crazy mumbo jumbo but uh, let's say best scenario you get someone in that respects the club's uh, legacy and all that uh, doesn't see it as a as whatever but you also what you need to keep in mind is that a lot of these foreign investors are not investing in these clubs because you know they lo- like it but men- many of many of them do it to make money um that's usually the point of investing um but that's also one of the potential possibilities obviously it it, it can't happen in the current form you know the current structure of the clubs but what what would you personally think is the best solution keeping the club clubs in the hands of of the members um and 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 just trust that whoever is in charge whichever president is in charge is sensible enough to do the right thing which let's be honest in turkey isn't often the case or is it perhaps time to look at that other possibility selling the clubs outright to foreign investors or or domestic investors doesn't really matter but someone who's willing to take on all the debt a very rich person obviously and just buy the club outright but then of course club would no longer be owned by the members well i think i think it's it's slightly moot and you alluded to that already for for a company that at best at best makes 100 million lira in profit a year before finance um, and has a debt of well over a billion or 1.6 billion or 2.7 billion. And actually, in reality, the clubs are, are likely to make losses. No investor, unless they're like a super fan, is going to make that bet, unless the debt is somehow forgiven. But in principle, am I against foreign ownership? Uh, it's worked for some teams. Liverpool, it's worked for them. Um, it worked for Manchester United briefly. Chelsea. It worked very well for Chelsea. Arsenal it hasn't worked particularly well at all. Manchester City, <laughs> Paris Saint-Germain. Ah, uh, yeah, but you're talking about there. Sort of, first of all, they're in. They're, they're all in the Premier League, with the exception of Paris Saint-Germain. These are all in mm-hmm. global brand leagues. Yeah. Turkey is not that, and Turkey is is not going to attract that kind of investor. But if if someone were to come in 
um, from say Azerbaijan or Qatar China. or you know or China, and would say, fine, I'll take on all the debt. I actually don't care about my money. I just want to make things fine. Whichever team does that first would probably win a lot of trophies.、Mm-hmm. Would it be fair? Would it be? I mean, it's, it's a possibility in my mind that anyone would be so stupid. But if it happens, and, and if it's Besiktas for the club that got lucky, I, I don't think many fans would complain. I, I think it would be sad. I think that we should yeah, be、um, fat fan owners. I think, I think it does a little bit take the club away. But then look at Leicester City and look at how they mourned the chairman who bought them that that league、mm-hmm. title. And then when he passed, it was like their own grandfather had passed.、So、you can also make links with an owner if they're a good person. I. I don't think it's going to happen, honestly. But、um, we would perhaps need to have another conversation about that on another podcast because that is really a whole other, very hypothetical debate. And a can of worms. <laughs> a jam of worms. Yeah. Yeah.、Uh, well, I don't know. Is there anything、uh, massively left that you want to touch on before we go into maybe the last couple of?、Uh... Or no,、so. I'm, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much、uh, done. I mean, I, I, we we could talk about the disaster that is the finances all night long, but、uh, at some point、yeah. we just have to accept that this is a problem that is going to need to be solved. Will the TFF issue solve it? I mean, the one thing that, that you know some listeners might want to we can talk about on Twitter is what will the government, for example, take over a club if it refuses to is unable to pay its debts. I mean that's a big question in a country as politicized as Turkey, where the TFF is a political organization, the basketball association is political. I mean, everything is political in Turkey、yeah. now. I mean that's an interesting thing. Already you can see in various press reports that that is would never be thought of, but that's what you would say. But, but that's an interesting side deal. You are essentially doing a deal with government-backed and government-organized killmakers. That's one of the big questions I still wanted to ask. Nobody asked, so I thought of this one. <laughs> But one of the things I wanted to ask: this whole ordeal, this whole plan that the TFF is putting forward, and we we don't know all the details yet, as you have said several times. But is this also a way for because many of these banks have government ties?、Uh, I believe Erdogan's son-in-law is head of one of the biggest banks in Turkey.、Um, is this Just another way for the government to get their hands in the clubs, to get control within the clubs. Because in, a, in a, it, it, Turkey is a crazy country,、um, because as you said before, you know, so many, such a large portion of the population support one of the big three. So if, as a political,、uh, as a you know, as as a politician, if you have a big influence within one of these. Clubs or in all of them, that's also power in Turkey. So, do you think this is? Do you think that this is just another? Well, not just not just another way, but also one of the reasons why they might be considering to do this because it also、um, gets them a foothold within the club, within the clubs. So, so let me say, nothing in Turkey is an impossibility. So, so I'm not gonna. Outright deny that. Honestly, I think that the TFF and and the bankers are doing this because a lot of clubs have gone to them and said we need a solution. Maybe Galatasaray didn't. Maybe Besiktas didn't. I, I doubt Ali Koç did. But a lot of clubs are in trouble. And if it's this is 
a solution to that problem without a football club going bankrupt, then that is how they will view it first and foremost. Mm-hmm. What further down the line would would um, a political party uh, that has shown an interest in, in in assuming power across multiple segments of society, would they like perhaps more power in one segment where they've been unable to, with the exception of Bashakshir? It could be, Khan. I'm not going to make an outright statement because I can't speak to the motivations and the intentions that lie behind it. I think the primary motivation is let's they don't want to be the, the, the government that was in charge when 100-year-old institutions disappeared. I think that's first and foremost. There might be an intended or unintended consequence that they get far more say, even without taking them over, on how they're run. Because honestly, if you have the financial stress, you basically run the show. And uh, it's the football team's fault that they found themselves in this situation, but it's, it's true of any company or any individual. If you find yourself indebted to somebody or to an institution, that institution owns you until you no longer have a debt to them. It is the reality of capitalism, it's the reality of life. And right now, I'm afraid to say that they have us by the balls, frankly. <laughs> okay, so uh, just uh, some small things I want to talk to you about a little bit. Just more like a little bit... Let's play football manager for mm-hmm. a few minutes here uh, to end the show. So you've already spoken about this. We, we as a club, we can't really go and afford these big contracts anymore. This four, almost five million a year that Pepe had, almost four and a half million a year that Negredo had. Um, we're rid of all those big contracts now, but we still have other big contracts. You know, Ryan Babel just left. He was on 2.1 million a year. That's a big contract. Mm-hmm. Um, not so long ago, 2.5 million was like an absolute, unthinkable, huge wage in Turkey. But we've seen that go up. Quaresma was the first one. But when the, those, that, that whole influx of the Mendes players and, the, and, and Guti, mm-hmm. they were all on 2.5 million a year. Fabian Ernst was on like 2.2 million a year. Holosko was on like 2.2 million a year. That was massive back then. Now, when we look at things, we're like, oh, you know, Quaresma is on 2.1. That's that's that's, that's okay. It's acceptable. Uh, Laich is on 2.2. That's acceptable. And I think we all kind of, you know, football evolves. We've seen the, the amount of money being thrown around throughout the football world has gone up. But realistically, we're going to have to downsize our... Um, or our wage bill, and we've been doing that actively over the last couple of months. Uh, Babel's gone. Wagner Love is about to leave. Pepe's gone. Um, other players will be sold. Will be or contracts are not being extended. I'm thinking Gokhan Tura. I'm thinking Tolga Zengin. Um, there's a bunch of players that are on big contracts that are Mustafa Pektimek is another one that'll have expiring contracts this summer. So I think our wage bill is going to be decreased by 10 to 15 million euros just this summer by all the players that are leaving yeah. now nearly 100 million lira should Besiktas imp- well obviously we should but we have to implement a ceiling on these wages how much this is something they do in, in Holland and in Belgium for example they have club policies and they say look we aren't giving anyone 
more than one and a half million a year and that's for absolute star players and Ajax have had that for years for example they have only recently made exceptions for the likes of Dusan Tadic and Daily Blind but Anderlecht, PSV, Ajax all those big clubs in Holland in Belgium they have implemented these wage ceilings now what do you think is realistic what type of obviously this is a very difficult question but where do you think a club like Besiktas should put their wage ceiling for the foreseeable future? One million, one and a half million, two million. And, and that's not, the too, absolute, not two million. That's absolute uh, star players, this is what I'm talking about now, of course. I, I don't think we're going to have star players anymore. I think the, the well, limit that I would like... You'll always have like, stars. <laughs> they uh, might be within cool the, stars. Yeah. yeah. I think... Um, if we're aiming for outgoings of 400, let's say 350,000, 350 million per year, right, in lira, which is about 50 million, we need to go less than that as well. We need to get down to 200. So I'm just calculating this in my head. But our income is approximately, what, a, a billion lira, right, if you include everything. Um, we need to be, but we spend quite a lot in order to make that one billion. We should be able to get our, let's say, 300 million lira, which is 50, 40, 40, 40 for the entire team. And so I, that means 1.5 is your limit, not two, 1.5. Okay, that's still decent, though, I, I would say. Um, but that would also require a lot of renegotiating on current contracts. We have a bunch of players over 1.5. I mean, pretty, basically the entire first 11 is earning 1.7, 1.8. And that's not counting guys like Lenz, Quaresma, Laich. Um, there's only a couple who are under 1.5. Uh, Karius. By the way, 1.5 in the global market is not very... That's 30,000 a week. And, you know, that is what players in the championship would get in England. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And honestly, most players would be on between 500 and a million. And 1.5 would be for maybe one or two players from Eastern Europe. Potentially, we look to Asia a little bit more. But if, if we recognize that we have to pay back about 300, 400 million a year, and we make a billion... Mm -hmm. then we actually probably only have two to three hundred thousand that we can spend two uh, to three hundred million lira so i'm doing sort of lyrics all of the accounts are in lira but just divided by whichever currency you're thinking in mm -hmm. if if i were actually football manager as your original question i would make it a limit of one million and i would go all in kids i tried to do an alex bergson in the late 80s early 90s yeah and remember, he nearly got fired a couple of times before it all came good. I think which is going to be crucial to something like that ever happening in Turkey is all clubs need to basically have a consensus and they have to say, look, we aren't because that's one of that's one of the ma major reasons that wages have gone up as much as they have is because in particular, Galatasaray and Fenerbahce have been driving up these wages to basically like, for example, you know, like. Mehmet Topus. He got two and a half million a year. Yeah. 
just so well, he wouldn't sign. To, to an extent, us and Jeremy Lentz as well. Uh, we we push each other to yeah. to pay more, mm-hmm. uh, to to win, to get bragging right. Honestly, I don't think that any of the clubs have the particularly if there's a TFF deal, they won't be able to cheat one another. There is always this incentive. Just spend a little bit more because it's a zero-sum game. If I win, they lose, and I get all of the income from going to the Champions League. So why don't I just bet? But that's how we got into this situation. If there is oversight, and this is the positive view of the deal, then you can't cheat. Basically, there is a level playing field at that point. Um, But I also honestly don't think that any of the, the teams, because there's no money left, can really do that anymore. So that will be just something that we look back on in 20 years and go, wow, weren't Turkish clubs really stupid? And weren't we as fans really stupid not to see what was happening? You'd think that, but just look at last, not, not even not even a full calendar year ago, I would you know, look at what Galatasaray did last year. They spent... Yeah, they won of, the league. Yeah, but they spent... And how, how, and how many of them have they had to sell? Yeah, that's my point. I mean, look what they did. These insane wages for Belhanda, for Mykon, for uh, Gomis. Uh, basically, everything they, 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 they signed last su- um, the previous summer and, and the previous January transfer windows came in for either really big fees, 7, 8 to 9 million euros, which is huge for Turkish clubs. I mean, even even if you you, you can you can blame Bishtes and the board as much as you want, you know, for mistakes made. Even they haven't been so reckless as to give eight nine Can't, million. They, they made the they made the old gamble, and on, in mm-hmm. that case, they won. If they yeah. had not won the league last year, let's say we'd won a third league on the trot because we collapsed in the second half of the season. But we collapsed in the first it, half of the season. And well, we collapsed all over the season. Yeah, to be, but we, I honestly we got forty-one second, points in the second half of the season, which is massive, to be honest. I mean, if we had gotten just five points more in the first half of the season, where we only got thirty points, we would win champions. Okay, fair, fair point. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just recalling that we were we were still in in with a chance of winning until quite late in the season, and yeah. then it, we just couldn't couldn't bring it home. But. If they had not won the league, it's a counterfactual. They could have been maybe first on the chopping block instead of Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce at the moment look like, because their league position is terrible, because the debt is so high. But if Galatasaray didn't have the sole Champions League earnings this year, mm-hmm. then their their problems would look far bigger than they make out. But that's just... Um, but but that gamble, but that gamble is that not allowed year. anymore. You, no club can make that gamble anymore. Because you would literally be gambling with the bank's money at that point. In fact, they and, were gambling with the bank's money. And, and the TFF have, have come out and said, look, if you violate our policies, you will get points deducted. So even if you would do what Galtry did last year, at the end of the table, they'll say, oh, wait, you, you went so much over budget. That's minus nine, nine points. Bye-bye title. <laughs> you know, I mean... Yeah, but then I I can't wait for the debate, Khan, where yeah, every yeah. club is like, "Why didn't the TFF punish them for doing this? They didn't mm-hmm. do this. It's, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be horrible. It is. It's going to be horrible. Yeah. But we have to get used to it. It's the new reality. This is this is what Turkey, in a sense, deserves because it's not just football across the entire economy. We mm-hmm. spent money that we didn't have, and look, the principle is if you borrow money. There's always going to be interest on it. You have a promise. The reason you borrow money is that you think that you will add value 
above and beyond the cost of that money. That's basically why we borrow money, right? The fact is that we borrowed all this money, and when you look back at this 20-year period, what in, what's the sum total of what the clubs have, have managed to do with that money? And I don't think it's very much. And it's true also of the wider economy. You know, all of the money that's been borrowed, there are a lot of very big buildings, but where are the factories? Where are the, where's the sort of the tech industries and so on? Football is just a microcosm of a wider problem with the Turkish economic outlook, which is you borrow money and you think it's yours. It's not. That money is given to you to try to create value above and beyond. And it's quite simply, Besiktas didn't do it, Fairbache didn't do it, Galatasaray didn't do it, Trabzon didn't do it, nobody did it. And so then you just get left with a pile of debt and nothing of value. It's been uh, an amazing, uh, eye-opening discussion with you tonight, today, John. Uh, I, I really hope that we're going to get uh, Galtrai and, and, and Fenerbahce fans to listen to this podcast as well. I know it might be difficult for them to uh, listen to a Bishtesh podcast, but I think this is a must-listen episode for any fan of Turkish football, for anyone who follows and I'm, Turkish And I'm football. sure that there will be debates that we can have about sort of how we've read the numbers or what, what mm -hmm. maybe there, there, there are other solutions that people want to suggest. Honestly, very open to, to debating that on, on Twitter and, and looking through. This is just my view, um, and there will be multiple views. But as I say, it's it's something where I think all fans need to understand. And we also all need to uh, do a little bit of thinking about how we can be better fans uh, in the future, because we're all in this together, ultimately. Mm -hmm. All of the big clubs are in this together. I mean, I, I hate them, but come on, we, we can't <laughs> survive without each other. So That's, a, that's, yeah. a, that's true. That's true. I mean... Plus, life would be so boring without Galatasaray <laughs> and Fenerbahce, you know. Yeah, we'd have Ooh. to hate Başakşehir. Come on, uh, we, like, we already do, but it's it's so yeah. it's so it's like uh, it's you know, not satisfying. It's like uh, yeah. But anyway, um, but for thanks for inviting me, Khan. Thanks for being on again, John. For everyone listening, and you want to pick John's brain, or do you not agree with something he said? You can reach John on Twitter at John Okar. Just one. Uh, word no spaces nothing so c-a-n-o-k-a-r john okar on twitter you can of course message him um you can message me for uh, asking stupid questions if he's like can what, what why did you ask what what uh, factoring was you you stupid idiots how can you not know that you can reach me at rosarian r-a-z-z-e-r-i-a-n Please drop us a five-star rating on iTunes, people. Please drop us a rating on iTunes. So you, you, we know you, we can see the numbers of all of you listening to the podcast. So take, please, a minute of your precious time in your day. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. I don't know if Google Play has something like that, a rating system. But if it does, please drop a rating on there if you're on um, Android or anything else. Um, but... John, thank you so much once again. I hope we can make this uh, a biannual or an annual thing that we go over the club's finances. It's not always the most interesting conversation to have. Uh, and I definitely want to have you on um, maybe in the summer for like a roundtable review on, on, on the transfers on and, and all that. And I'd love to get into some of that stuff right now with you too. But we're yeah, just... I look forward to it. I look we're, forward to it. We're, we're, we're kind of out of time now. But um, yeah, cool. it's been a pleasure having you on again. As always. And, uh, Have fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll send, send my regards to Sinan as well. He's a great guy. I, I will do most definitely. And next time we'll uh, we'll have Sinan on. Uh, Maybe get him involved as well. Exactly, yeah. All right, okay. cheers, man. 
He can ask some more intelligent questions than I can, perhaps. Ah, come on, no, no, no. <laughs> Not at all. It's <laughs> Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. And there you have it. Fantastic stuff from John Okar. Excellent, informative, just amazing stuff there. Uh, you know, I... My jaw is still on the ground, personally. I am astounded to, to imagine the ramifications of all this. Uh, it sounds like the, the whole frontier of Turkish football is about to shift. We're going to be on a new era, a new age. And uh, what lies ahead is some, somewhat uncharted. I, I've never seen, never even heard of, really, a league moving sort of backwards in this regard, regressing. Although... You know, the, there will always be football to be enjoyed. There will always be Besiktas. But anyway, uh, thank you so much, John, for coming in and informing us all, keeping us the most informed uh, quadrant of the Besiktas Twitterverse, as always. And, of course, uh, thanks to Kana, uh, you know, asking all the, all, all the right questions, getting all the info we could have gotten out of John. Um, yeah, great stuff. Let me just take it out from there. Uh, stay tuned. Friday, we have Erzurum Spur at 12.30 Eastern Standard Time here in New York City, which means, I believe, 8.30 in Istanbul from the Vodafone Park. So, you know, do the math from there, bearing in mind that Turkey does not observe daylight savings time anymore. But so, of course, good luck to the team. And we will, of course, be back post-match to analyze everything. It should be Khan and I back to the usual grind. But nonetheless, stay tuned. And, uh, you know, hopefully lots more fun, informative takes from us. And uh, maybe something good to celebrate. we got to expect three points here. Erzurum is near the bottom in the relegation zone. So, you know shouldn't expect anything but three points and we certainly need every point we can get from here on out so good luck to Besiktas stay tuned follow us on twitter at eagles underscore podcast of course follow our esteemed guest at john okar c-a-n-o-k-a-r no spaces follow khan at Razarian at R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-N myself at Sir underscore writes underscore a lot and yeah of course follow Besiktas International at Besiktas underscore I-N-T for all the latest news 24-7 we've got a team of fellas working on it around the clock doing their best to keep you all up to date Transfer season still alive and kicking, so you never know what could happen from here on out. There's talk of Quaresma perhaps leaving. Uh, I will leave that for the next episode. Hopefully there will be something concrete to report. But besides all of that, just, yeah, stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. Keep on chugging, guys. As always, go fetching a hat.
Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.